you see for the mature Christian, stopping and doing nothing on their Christian journey would be the equivalent of driving your car from here down to a five-star resort in Florida, but halfway you stop at this dirty, dingy motel and you say, this is good enough. You wouldn't do that. You would get in your car and you would finish because of what lies ahead and the reward and the excitement of what you are seeking. Welcome back to Live in the Light. We're so glad that you have tuned us in here again today. I say again, but there, there may be some of you who are just joining us for the very first time. And if that's the case for you, then you've picked a great day because we're going into a brand new series today. But before we get there, let me let you know a little bit about information about us. If you'd like to get a hold of Live in the Light, you can get our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's L I G H D. Or you can phone us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. Again, L-I-G-H-T. You can phone us up or check our website for all the information related to our ministries or even to get a free copy of today's message or even look back at any of the other messages we've done over the years. Well, hey, listen, today's message takes us, as I said, to a brand new series. Now with me in studio is Pastor Robbie, and you just mentioned, Robbie, that this is one of your favorite verses that we're going to today. Yeah, Craig, I mean, you and I were just talking about, too, just the whole idea of the commands in Scripture, the commands to do must always be rooted in the understanding of the gospel, right? We're just talking about that. Absolutely. Without that hunger and that thirst and that love for the Lord, then those to-do lists just end up being, well, legalism, right? Yeah, because this series right now, really rooted in this text of Philippians 3, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead for the upward call, the prize in Christ Jesus. The reason we are motivated to go for the Lord is because we've been saved by the Lord in the gospel. So when we are obligated to respond to commands in Scripture, It's because of the declaration we've been given in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're excited about right now. We do because of what's been done for us. When you see the gospel, you seek to live in the gospel. So this series, if you've got one thing we're going to do, we're starting here right now, Philippians 3, and we're excited how God will use this with our listeners. All right, well, let's get to today's passage. Again, Philippians 3 and verse 12. Here again is Robbie. One thing, the passionate pursuit of our awesome God. We were in Psalm 27 where David declares in verse 4, he says, One thing, one thing will I seek after. One thing, he says, I've after the Lord. One thing that I would seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing, he says, have I asked of the Lord. Why is this so profound? Because the one thing in passionately pursuing our awesome God is to be the heartbeat of the child of God. When you pull out your spiritual stethoscope, and if you held it to your spiritual heart, you should hear one thing. One thing. One thing. If you are following Christ 
and growing in him, you will hear that as you place that thing to your heart. Your heart will be beating one thing. Our cry to our God is that our hearts will beat one thing because the best is one thing. And this never gets old. It is always new, even though it's been around since the Bible was written. It's the one thing. It's the passionate pursuit of our awesome God. We will hear, and we will hear again and again, that the one thing, there's no greater call than this. There's no greater joy found in the one thing. There's no greater power known in your life as you pursue the one thing. But here's the problem. So few actually want to live the one thing. It is so hard to actually live out the one thing, and yet the Bible so clearly calls us to this. And that's exactly then why we open up on living the life of one thing. Our theme verse is taken from Philippians 3. Paul says, but one thing I do. One thing I do. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward. He says, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But one thing I do. We're going to see the impact of this. And as we go forward in this series, we're going to see messages on things like this. Uh, One thing in my church. Uh, One thing in my marriage. One thing in my finances. One thing in my affections. One thing on my menu. You'll have to come to hear what that's about. One thing in my family. I'm excited. It's going to rock. Amen. It's going to rock. But before anything else then... We have, there's no way this, I mean, this is, this is so much against the culture, even within Christendom, this whole stuff here, one thing, this is so against what so many people are teaching and even what people actually want for their life. There's no way this will happen unless we pray. And without the spirit of God, there's no, listen, often what happens is I now kneel down and I pray and you listen. Today, I want to do something a little bit different. Here's what I want you to do as I read it slowly over you. I want you to pray um, as relevant to your heart that you would sincerely desire God to change your life today and the weeks to come. This is the only way it happens. And so I will do my best to convince you in the next several minutes from God's word that this is utterly inescapable if you take God seriously. But there's such a power if you just say, God, right from the beginning, God, change me. Here's what this prayer says. Just let 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 it correct you and let it encourage you. Oh, my Savior, help me. I'm so slow to learn, so prone to forget, so weak to climb. I'm in the foothills when I should be in the heights. I am pained by my graceless heart, my prayerless days, my poverty of love, my sloth in the heavenly race, my sullied conscience, my wasted hours, my unspent opportunities. I am blind while light shines all around me. Take the scales from my eyes. Grind to dust the evil heart of unbelief. Make it my chiefest joy to study thee, meditate on thee, gaze on thee, sit like Mary at thy feet, like John on thy breast, appeal like Peter to thy love. Count like Paul, all things done. Give me increase and progress in grace so that there may be more decision in my character, more vigor in my purposes, more elevation in my life, more fervor in my devotion, more constancy in my zeal, 
As I have position in the world, keep me from making the world my position. Amen. May I never seek in the creature what can only be found in the creator. Let not faith cease from seeking thee until it vanishes into sight. Ride forth in me, thou King of kings and Lord of lords, that I may live victoriously and in victory attain my end. Father, please, would you hear the prayers of your children now? And Lord, I confess that my flesh, as we enter into this series, there are so many easier things that we could preach on. The bar could be so much lower, but that would be compromise. And that would be wrong because your Bible so clearly teaches where we are to go. Jesus Christ, you are the ladder between heaven and earth. And I am praying, Lord, that we would choose to climb that ladder one more rung today and in the weeks to come. Please, Spirit of God, reign among us and change us. Lord, what you will do through a people, a few people, who will put to heart and start to live the exhortation that we will hear today, the power that will be seen in those lives. So in a world, Lord, which is so much about ourselves and so much about our own pleasure, so little talk about sacrifice and cost, so little understanding of what it means to actually take up our cross and die. So few, Lord, so few. And I myself am so resistant, Lord, to living this out. I pray by your spirit that our hearts will change and that faith, faith will see incredible fruit for you, Lord. We become less and you become more. But one thing I do, in Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 3 is where we are. Philippians 3, verses 12 to 16. Please have a Bible open in front of you. My prayer is that every person listening right now will have a Bible in front of them. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can grab a blue one in front of you. You can share with someone besides you. Uh, The word of God is that which changes our lives. Philippians is such a beautiful letter. Philippians, of course, written by the Apostle Paul, written from Rome while he was in prison. Paul facing certain uh, impending death, it seems. Philippians is a letter of endurance, but more than that, it's a letter of joy. It's a letter of joy and suffering. It's a letter of the passionate pursuit of our awesome God. It's a letter, listen, it's a letter of one thing. Here's our passage, Philippians 3, uh, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true uh, to what we have attained. All right. Do you want your life to be about the one thing? If you want your life to be about the one thing, then the Bible, again, is very clear with us. If you want your life to start living along the lines of the one thing, here's what you must understand. Three things today. Number one is this. Um, then I cannot, I cannot relax satisfied. If I want my life to live the one thing, verses 12 tells us that I cannot relax satisfied. Here's what the mature follower of Jesus Christ understands. Ready? The mature follower of Jesus Christ understands they haven't arrived yet. 
The mature follower of Christ knows that they have not reached their destination. They have not yet reached their goal. They know the prize is still to be pursued. They know that the journey is not yet over. They know that they cannot, therefore, relax, satisfy. You see, for the mature Christian, stopping and doing nothing on their Christian journey would be the equivalent of driving your car from here down to a five-star resort in Florida, but halfway you stop at this dirty, dingy motel and you say, this is good enough. You wouldn't do that. You would get in your car and you would finish because of what lies ahead and the reward and the excitement of what you are seeking. This is for the same in the Christian journey. It's our eyes focused not on here and now, but you are looking forward to what is ahead, which continues to press you on towards your goal. This is what Paul says in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul, of course, here in verse 12 is flowing out of Philippians 3 verses 1 to 11, specifically verses 10 and 11 in Philippians 3. When Paul says, not that I have already attained this, this is referring to verse 11 where he speaks of the resurrection of the dead, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. Paul is explaining here that he has not yet obtained this. He then uses the word already in verse 12 twice. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. He's indicating here that he clearly understands that he is not yet perfect. And as often in scripture, what we find next is a great one word, the word but. He says, but I press on to make it my own. Paul is pressing on. Pressing on is straining. Pressing on is aggressively pursuing. We're going to hear more about that in a few minutes. But he says, I press on to make it, to make it my own. What is it? It is the resurrection of the dead. It is perfection in Christ. It is our greatest hope in the glory of God. So loved ones, step back for a second in verse 12 and hear what Paul is saying. Better yet, hear what God is saying through Paul in his word. All that Paul has seen, all that God has done through him, all the converts, all the churches planted, all the glory given to Christ, all the trials he's gone through, even when facing certain death, he does not say, I'm done. He says, I cannot relax satisfied. He says, I must continue to press on until I see Christ face to face. Here's a massive principle for the Christian life in regards to sanctification. It's never okay to settle. It's never okay to settle. The person who thinks they have arrived in regards to sanctification is the person who has just proven that they haven't. The person who thinks they have arrived in the journey in Christ has just proven that they haven't. I want to use two brilliant thoughts from E.W. Tozer right here. Tozer wrote an article entitled, Our Enemy Contentment. Our Enemy Contentment. He said this, he says, Contentment with earthly goods is the mark of a saint, but contentment with our spiritual state is the mark of inward blindness. What he's doing here, he's describing the incredible danger of complacency in the Christian life. He's giving a warning here to those who think and they look around and they say, I'm good enough or I'm better than that guy down there. 
Those are the people, he says, they don't get it. Their standard has become man when their standard is to be Jesus Christ. And many people think that if I get a check mark and if I now rest on the progress I've made thus far, I don't need to do anything else because I'm gonna coast and mail it in the rest of the way. That is a disaster. Again, hear me out. Contentment with material goods is really good, but contentment with our spiritual state is a disaster. So listen to what God is saying to us. It is not okay to relax satisfied. It is not okay to chill out and coast. Why? Because when we begin to relax spiritually, it's only a matter of time before the wilderness creeps in to your heart and your life. It's only a matter of time before the wilderness of sin creeps into your heart and your life. Have you ever noticed how quickly weeds take over your garden? Have you ever noticed, if left unchecked, how quickly overgrowth is established? Have you ever noticed how ugly this looks too? We've had a path on the side of our house, which uh, we went out and all these weeds and bushes and stuff and little trees are starting to grow. We Actually, not we, Jill went out and Jill ripped all these out and she cleaned it up and it looks so much better. You know, we go away for a month in July, we come home and I look down the side of the house again, which you don't see that often. I look and what happens? It's like a jungle. How did this happen? We spent all our time rooting up weeds and Jill spent all her time rooting up weeds and pulling out these trees and stuff like that. And I walk down there and I see this again and I'm just like, this, this looks so ugly. And it's so over. The, the wilderness in nature is a fascinating thing because left to itself, it will gain real estate every single time, every single time. It's amazing that civilizations and their cities are overgrown. Just, just leave it for long enough. And the wilderness creeps in. This is a fantastic illustration of our spiritual hearts. The moment you relax in your spiritual condition is the moment the wilderness starts to creep in on your life and your heart. It's just a matter of time. And this is what Tolzer is saying. He's saying when we become content in our spiritual state, then it's just a, it's just a few moments away before the wilderness begins to take over that which used to be ground for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. There are weeds covering our heart. Let's be honest. It's been summer and, and a lot of us have probably been coasting. I struggle in the summertime. I struggle. Um, I love the crucible of ministry because it kills me. And I need it. And it's such a built-in accountability and, and strain. This weekend's no exception. We need to be together. We need to be around each other. We need to be so focused. And if we're not, and if we relax, then what happens? Again, the wilderness creeps in. Let's be honest. We have weeds covering our heart. Let's be honest. In many areas, the wilderness has crept in. Let's be honest. The wilderness is hungry for real estate in our lives. And again, as soon as you relax, as soon as you stop pursuing the Lord, the wilderness begins to pursue you. This is why, this is why your affections are cold. This is why your heart is hard. This is why your worship is stale. It's because we have relaxed, satisfied, and the very heart of pursuing and living out the one thing is pressing on to perfection. It's the pursuit of God. And this is why Paul says, he says, with all that he has accomplished in verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And don't miss this in verse 12. Underline Paul's motivation for not relaxing, satisfied. Can you see it there? Here's his motivation. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
You see that there? This is why he presses on. This is why he cannot stop because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, this is so beautiful. Here it is again. Because Christ has given me everything, so then I must give him everything. How can the person, how can Paul, who has received salvation, who has been rescued from a life of legalism and death, who's been rescued from the very pit of hell, how can he now then casually give the rest of his life to his Lord? He can't. He can't. And the genuine child of God, the genuine child of God who is pursuing him and loving him, listen, when you truly comprehend the gift of God in your life, that is when you start to want to give God your best gift called your life to God. That's what happens. And this is where you have to look at your life and saying, am I I being motivated to press on? And we say around here a lot, we say when it comes to living in apathy, when it comes to living a lukewarm life, when it comes to seeing very little fruit come from your life or any at all, we can have bad weeks and we can have bad months and we can have bad years in the Christian journey, but bad decades, I start to really worry. A bad decade, you really got to look at your heart and saying, if I'm not seeking to press on for that which truly matters most, and I'm not thinking about the one thing in my heart, and it's been year after year after year after year, you need a significant heart check to say, are you really in Christ? Because the genuine child of God eventually has to wake up and say, I can't keep living for self. I must live for him. I must press on for the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Because this is what he has saved me from death. Therefore, I must now give myself to him. And one thing I want to make very clear is I understand how hard this is. I mean, there's reluctance on my part even to present this series to our church because what it means is that my life must change also. And that's, I mean, it's easy to say things. It's a whole different story to live it out. This is hard, but it's right. And it is the greatest plan for your life ever is to live in the one thing of Jesus Christ. And he wants to do that in us. And so with great expectation and faith, I call all of us to this. I can only imagine as this row and this row and that row and that row begin to actually take steps in the one thing and living it out. And I love this image here of the ladder because Jesus Christ is, is our ladder between heaven and earth. And it's just this vision. It's one more rung. Not going to try to run the whole ladder today, but I'm going for one more rung in that ladder. One more step of holiness. One more step of seeing idols destroyed in my life. One more step of living out that which God has called me to. And here's what you have to understand Do you think God's finished with you? I mean, do, do you think God is finished with your progress in faith for Jesus Christ? Not a chance. Do you think he's done with you as a father or a wife or a husband or a child or a brother, a disciple? Do you think God is done with you? Is your heart still beating? He's not done with you. He's not done with you. He has so much for you to see if you give your all to him. He has so much more for this church if we will give more of ourselves to him. He has so much satisfaction to give in him if we will choose to pursue him and live out that which he so clearly explains in his word. God's not done with you. God is nowhere near done with you because when he's done with you, you'll be dead. In fact, you'll be alive and you'll be seeing Christ face to face. Listen, listen. Let him set your bar for your life. Let him set the vision for your life and then go for it. 
As it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to support, strongly support those whose hearts are blameless towards him. And right now the eyes of the Lord search this place, looking for hearts to strongly support. God wants to do so much through us. You want to live your life in the one thing, then we cannot relax, satisfied when it comes to sanctification. Number two is this. You want to live the one thing in your life, number two, then my goal must be glory. It's so clear. My goal of my life must be glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 13 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. Toward the goal. What's the goal for the prize? What's the prize? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's our one thing in this text. Here's our one thing. Paul, in his passionate pursuit of the Lord, he says, but one thing I do, but one thing I do. I want to say that so much. But I want, you know, this is my prayer is that this is one of these texts and this is one of these themes and this is one of these messages that you will never, ever forget. Here's the reality. I know often we hear a message, we read passage of scripture, a week goes by, a day goes by sometimes, certainly a year goes by and we don't remember a thing. But my prayer, this is so important. This is such a lifelong call. This is all over scripture. That one thing I do would be something that Lord cements in our hearts forever. And he can do that. It'll be men and women who understand one thing I do, one thing I do. But what's his one thing? Verse 14 is his one thing. Pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the one thing. When all else fails, he's going for the ultimate goal. What's that? Glory, glory, heaven, Christ Jesus, the upward call. But notice what Paul does on his way to the one thing. He forgets what lies behind. On his way to the one thing, he says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, he is again using sports imagery. We're back here to running a race. Again, Paul must have loved sports. Here's what Paul knows. He knows a runner cannot keep looking backwards and run effectively. I share with you before my, uh, my poor son, Cale, who is determined to run as fast as he can forwards by looking backwards, seeing if his brother's about to beat him in this race. And that just never works out well. Bless his heart. Falling, hitting, you, you don't believe me, then you go home today and you try going for a jog, okay? And you try going for a jog by looking backwards the whole time. All right? And you let me know how that works out for you, okay? Here's how it'll work out for you. You will um, take bark off a tree with your face, all right? <laughs> That's what will happen. You cannot run effectively by looking backwards. It's just, it's just too hard. You cannot see where you're going. And this is what Paul is saying. The runner who's running a race will not look backwards. In fact, they will strain forwards. What are our lessons here from not looking backwards? Our lessons here is that believers are not to live either in past failures, listen, or past successes. We must forget what lies behind, either in good or bad. Listen, question, have you messed up in the past? Yeah, me too. Welcome to the club. Have you messed up in the past? It's time to move on. You can't control your past, but you can influence your future. And so many of us are bogged down from past guilt and shame. Do what the Bible says. Repent. Believe that God forgives. Believe that his grace is sufficient. Believe that Jesus Christ and his cross died for our sins, can overcome all sin. And when your heart is genuine, believe that, believe that, and move on. You must leave behind. But here's the other thing we have to leave behind. Um, enough with the good old days talk. So many of us are like, ah, oh, the good old days. Oh, remember when? Remember him? Remember how? Remember where? 
Listen, listen, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. All of us at some point with past successes are tempted to look back, pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, that was special time. I'm just gonna keep, keep thinking on the past. Forgetting, forgetting what lies behind. As we continue to look back at our past, even in our successes, it's only a matter of time before we will be disappointed. See, it's called the finish line for a reason. Because that's where you finish. And you're not at the finish line yet. So you got to keep straining forward, not looking backwards. You got to press on to what lies ahead. Strain forward to what lies ahead. You know, as a church, we're not immune to resting in the good old days. We're only about six years old, but we've seen a lot of grace. But listen, it's just that it's grace. We got to press on. We got to press on. I'm so thankful for all that God has done. But if we continue to look back in the rearview mirror, it's only a matter of time before we will crash as well. Okay, listen, listen. Uh, have you messed up in the past? Uh, Christ has forgiven you. If you ask him sincerely, uh, are you one of the people who loves to think back in the good old days? Great, praise the Lord for what he's done. But listen, there's greater things to come. Thanks for listening to us today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. You can also write us at any time in Canada at 500 Great Lakes Boulevard, Oakville, Ontario, Canada, L6L6X9. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light. Oh, yeah. I wanna-